Hey everyone, Kelly the producer here. You might remember me from the first half of No Place to Hide, where we talked to some friends of ours about another friend of ours. We are essentially on a deep dive into data brokers to find out what information we can on Keith Reynolds of Dallas, Texas. Hi guys, you know everything about me. This is weird. And then submit takedown requests and see if we can get everything that we found scrubbed from the web, essentially. Remember how back in the first half of our series, we had this fun idea to see how much we could find out about Keith, a.k.a. Spoke Media's founder and president, using only the internet? You know, to learn more about how data brokers work, and totally not at all to dig up dirt on our boss. And in our noble pursuit of knowledge, we enlisted the help of two capable students from Duke University, Carter and Jake. You have Kelly and Bob. How are y'all? Uh, busy. We tasked them with combing the web for any and every piece of information these data broker sites have on Keith. Then they gathered it, so we could spring all of it on our generous executive producer. But what started as a fun gossip sesh on the Mr. Reynolds quickly turned weird and maybe a bit terrifying. Home addresses, phone numbers, even family members ended up involved. And my, well, tell me what my mother's name was. Uh, Nancy Yes. Is our guest. Yes. All right, yes. Nancy is my mother. Do you know my, my dad's middle name? Uh, it's It's fucking weird. All right. <laughs> Carter and Jake proved more than up for the assignment, but the data broker project wasn't quite over yet. Now that we know all the info on Keith floating out there on the web, it's time to get it all scrubbed. So, a while back, Bob and I called Carter and Jake to see what progress they've made in getting Keith's information taken down. And apparently, they didn't waste any time. I think, with one notable exception that we'll get into in a little while, every source that we use to get significant information on Keith, we have gotten them to take down the information that we found. And it was pretty easy. I'm, like, actually surprised. I don't know why I'm so surprised, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so can, can you give us a soup to nuts for how you did it, at least with one example? So there's generally a pretty uh, consistent template, I'd say. I think uh, one of the ones that I did most recently was uh, InfoTracer. We used it quite a bit to get information. I think we got Keith's phone number from there, uh, current address. So they make it fairly easy. You just go to their website and they have a request page to take down the information. You include kind of the profile that you want taken down and you include a contact email address and then they'll just send you a confirmation. And that template holds for most of the websites that we used. And most of them was within a couple of hours. A couple of them I think was closer to a day before they sent the confirmation email, but nothing too crazy. Well, it was looking like the second part of this data broker project was going to be easier than we thought. With the exception of a site called Veromi, which asked for a snail mail letter including a bunch of information like aliases and former addresses, getting Keith's info removed was as simple as entering first name, last name, and state. Send. But as we learned, just like with data broker reports, things aren't always what they seem. One of the themes of everything you guys did last time around was... You know, while there's all these sites, in truth, it seems like they all kind of 
served as front ends or funnels for just a couple of sources. Was that reflected in this effort to take Keith's information down as well? I mean, did that work against you or with you in this effort? Yeah, it seems when you do submit these requests that it's a database thing, that it disappears from all of the websites that use the same kind of backend database of information. So maybe it does just delete it. I'd be skeptical of that, but it certainly seems to work across websites. Okay, so walk us through, like, if you go to the website now and you're looking for Keith's information, what does the page pull up now? Like, what does it look like? So it depends on some different ones. If you look at... People finders, for, for instance, it'll show eight results for Keith Reynolds in Dallas. There's a 37-year-old, but we knew about him. We knew there was a, another Keith Allen Reynolds around the same age. It's not him. The fact that there's still someone with a similar name does bring up kind of one of the blind spots in getting information removed. And that if someone's trying to look you up, um, it, it almost increases the chance that they're going to find some other information that isn't about you and attribute it to you. We discussed that in the context of like arrest records. That if you take down the profile that actually is about you, they'd be maybe more likely to find a similar one and think that it is you. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. In the first half of our mini-series, we found out how innocent people can have their clean records stained just for having a common name. But even if you no longer appear when someone searches your name on one of these sites, which seems to be the case for Keith, it doesn't mean that there's not some other Keith Reynolds out there. A Keith Reynolds with a criminal record that people can attribute to him. So, with all the time Carter and Jake spent working with data brokers for the sake of our experiment, we wondered how this project has shaped their views on privacy. Personally, I have kind of an odd relationship with, uh, like, digital privacy. And that, like, in theory, I want policies around digital privacy to improve it. But I've also grown up kind of in a time where I didn't have a huge expectation of any digital privacy. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I guess it's definitely, like, one of my privileges that I've never really had to be especially concerned with my online privacy. Um, you know, for the people on your podcast, it becomes a gigantic, it becomes a big danger to them not having it. With all of it said and done, did Carter and Jake feel like they've made Keith's digital life any safer? I guess it would be a lot harder to find his actual address or to find a lot of the very maybe personal details about him. But, you know, someone like Keith, if you're really just want to find him somewhere, it's definitely possible to search his LinkedIn, find where he works, find the address of Spoke Media, and just go there. Okay, so put yourself in that frame of mind. Let's say Keith was on the run because someone dangerous was after him from his past life now, and you were going through the same exercise. How much safer would you feel if, if that were the circumstances? Not. <laughs> I, I don't think. I don't think I would feel much safer. Because this made it clear there's an almost endless supply of places that you can get this information. Like, as long as someone's willing to pay for it, there will be new websites that are willing to give it to you. While Keith volunteered for all of this, there are real people in the real world dealing with stalkers, abusers, and greedy companies looking to exploit people's personal information for their own personal gain. And while it may seem easy to get this info taken down on the surface, there's no way to ensure your info is gone for good. At least, not yet. Thanks once again to Carter and Jake for being our researchers in this data broker experiment. And to Keith, thank you so much for being our very willing and very patient test subject. 